0: Hey, guys. Hi. Hey. I'm Riss. I'm Liza. And I'm Zoe. And this is the Little Sleep...
1: Much Reading Podcast.
0: And finally, from So Little Sleeping and so much reading his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind.
2: Um, hey, we haven't, by the way, we haven't said thank you to Lexi in a while for the beautiful tunes that she's made us. And also a quick shout out and thank you to, um, may 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 Planker for our logo. Um, Thank so you, if you guys Lenny. notice yeah thanks 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 guys thanks best friends um if you guys notice there are three voices Ooh, that Ooh. means we have a guest today yeah,
0: and our guest cute.
2: is the wonderful zoe woman hi Zoe. leaders let's go also if you guys hear weird noises in the background it's cuz my nephew is in my room doing crazy things that little little boys do so just so everyone's aware um, ah! oh there we go he, <laughs> he said hi um so guys we have a fun episode today that we thought Zoe would be perfect for. Um, I have met, I've known Zoe since twenty nineteen.
1: I believe that's true. Yeah, twenty nineteen, like the year before. The pandemic.
2: year before the world ended. Exactly, um, we were. Yeah. We were roommates. <laughs>
0: they were, and they true. were roommates. Um, that, that
2: feels like so long ago. It's so bizarre. It feels like it didn't actually happen.
1: I know. It felt so serendipitous. I have very fond memories of living with Marissa and their friend Ennie and the other three people we lived with.
0: Uh Liza, how long have you known Zoe? I have technically known Zoe what? since. 2017, because yes. orientation week, we were in the same dorm and we went on a um like excursion with these freaks from our dorm. A to, gallivant, if you will. A gallivant, if you will, to Washington Square. And so that's we where got I met
1: cereal ice cream.
0: Yeah. Yes, oh, I forgot that about yummy. that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I met Zoe and Lexi for the first time. So that was I August seventeen. I, I remember this weird moment where I
1: think we were singing One Direction, One Thing together. <gasps> Wait, I think you're right. And I just realized that
0: the other day.
1: <gasps> and I was like, what a cursed, sacred memory.
0: That is a cursed and sacred memory. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's you're my, my favorite. Thing about It's like so... Lucky
2: for us to have like somehow stayed friends and even interacted with Zoe at all because the writing majors were always so secluded. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like it's just fate. It is
0: fate.
2: I
1: know. And I'm I'm I was a little graphic design major and I happened to minor in bookmaking, but I just really love the writing crew. I just found myself very drawn to your kind. She loves us. I love the little writers. The writers are wacky. Yeah, yeah but, you know, that's
2: the that's a, that's a tea. That's the vibe. Yeah, that is the vibe. That's always yeah. the vibe, besties. And so uh, Zoe herself is a little silly, goofy, wacky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the episode for today, me and Liza were like... I think we kind of I don't even remember how we decided to do this episode I think we were just looking through our dates and we found this one and we were like yeah like this is it this is this is just going to be a fun episode to do and for some reason Zoe was just the perfect person to be in on this with us um oh my god, a perfect person say the, more the perfect person okay in the writing world we are celebrating a very important birthday of someone who has probably affected many of our lives in some way or another um as you can see sylvie has a lot to say about this this person on april twelfth, 1916 the wonderful beverly cleary was born and so we are celebrating her birthday. Woo, we'll go Bev! Happy 105. She's dead,
1: but she's dead. You know, happy first heavenly birthday, or yeah, not heavenly,
2: but just just uh, happy fucking happy fucking birthday. Happy first birthday since death. When this episode comes out, uh, it'll be Yay. April 14th, and so we're a little bit late on celebrating for her. But hey. I think she'll appreciate it all the same. Um, as Zoe did mention, she has passed. Um, oh, she sorry. passed. No, don't be sorry. We got to bring it up. Um, she did pass on March 25th, 2021. So rather recently. So today we're celebrating the birthday of lovely Beverly by reading some of her books and learning a little bit about her and celebrating her um, she deserves it. She does She's, deserve it. The amount
1: of stuff that she wrote in a period of time that was so shit, you know, just look at her go. Look at her go. Look She's like at her doing her damn thing. Prolific and important and cool throughout it all.
0: Yeah, I'm also happy to report that, um... I work at a bookstore and we still stock basically all of Beverly Cleary's books, but especially Ramona and Beezus. And my mom is a elementary school librarian. And how many years later, 70 years later, kids still take out her books from... The library, which is really sweet. sweet.
1: That's so sweet. Yeah. God. And it's funny, like, how well the stories themselves, like, hold up. Like, despite it being sort of a culture shock for me to be like, $2 for an apple? Yeah. Huh. Or no, $2 for a library book. For a book?
0: $2? Huh? It's wild. The times they were different, but also... The same in some ways, so true, at least so for true. my book,
1: um, yeah, i can I can definitely say that as well, but I think I don't know the themes that Ramona specifically had for like, I think especially little girls at the time was really important, and I think that's why yeah. it definitely resonated with me,
2: yeah um, but yeah. I read A Girl from Yamhill, which is Beverly Cleary's um, memoir. And I believe it's only her first memoir. I think she has two. So this one was originally published in 1988, which I honestly could not believe. Just reading it, it doesn't she does not feel like an old timey writer i guess um if that makes sense and it it she just feels like she's having a conversation with you the entire book um so since zoe and liza read her actual books um and they're going to get into those i wanted to read this and i kind of i just want to skip the writing scale today and i just want to talk a little bit about her um she's super fascinating and also because I'm doing it this way. Um, this is gonna go right in the beginning of the episode and it's gonna be like a little introduction to her. I just want to talk about the, her memoir which is probably really important to her and a little bit about her. So I hope you guys learned something and let's get into it. This memoir includes pictures, which I really loved, pictures of her parents, of her as a kid, of some of her friends. Um, I believe this book is talking about her younger life, her as a child, and then up to like maybe 20. And so it's not a full memoir and that's why I think there's a second memoir, which is called, hold on one second. Um, Her other memoir is called My Own Two Feet and I believe that it picks up from where this one left, from where this one leaves off, um, which I think will be really, really interesting one thing that I want to mention about her which I think is amazing is you know we read her books and we can think wow like it's so easy for children to relate to these books and it's so easy for her to seem like she understands children but while you're reading this book and she's a child she's explaining things and you just realize that's just she understands herself she understands children so well because she remembers what it was like to be a child i guess is what i'm trying to say so she writes very much the way her stories are written she's very in tune to her child self and children in general um she talks a lot about how um you know there's one point in the book where her Mother tells her that the stork is going to bring her a baby brother or sister and then a couple months later she comes home and her mom looks very sick and she's in bed and she as a child she's like hmm that's weird I've never seen my mom in bed during the day before a couple months after that she says mom how come the stork never brought my sibling like like when's my baby coming and her mom's like oh the stork changed its mind and she doesn't learn till later like that her mom actually had a very bad miscarriage but it's just really these little tiny things that are everyday things that, that children i don't know don't don't always get to experience and and she's telling you how she experienced it as a child and i can understand how you know um things that she experienced as a kid how it how it's um, coming out now in in the book not now but in the books that she's written about children um you know her parents not having a lot of money and her dad working really hard um the the things her parents would say to her about her her other family and things like that it's it's really interesting it's also very interesting miss beverly was born Um, April 12th, as we know, because we're celebrating her birthday this episode. But she was born in 1916, which, I don't know, just blew my mind. It really just blew my mind that she was born that long ago and she doesn't she doesn't seem like crotchety and old and i don't know (laughs) grumpy i guess she seems so full of life and so excited to talk to people about what she's doing and and okay so and oh just also think of it like this she's born in 1916 and this book came out in 1988 so she's old like she's old when she's writing this book and the way that she is still holding on to that youthfulness of her childhood—it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. This is a fun book to read. It's almost like going back in time. It's sitting down and thinking about what what it was like to be a kid and the way that you experienced things and your favorite things and what did you used to do when you played and it's just it's it's she's wonderful. She she truly is. Um, she grew up on a farm for uh the very beginning of her life and this book opens with her remembering the end of world war one simply because her mom said to her like you must always remember this day and she did And, and what an interesting like she as a child she didn't know as a child she didn't she didn't realize what you know the bells ringing were about she didn't know why her mom was running to 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 greet her father and it was simply because the war ended you know having the book open with something like that something so adult and so heavy and such an important an important historical moment having the book open with that but through her child eyes where she literally was just like okay like this we're running and the bells are ringing and things are fun and then it's not till years later when she's she asks her mom how come you told me to remember that weird day and her mom's like uh that was the end of the war. It really sets you up for the whole book. I also wanted to say this book, as I mentioned, it has pictures in it um, of her family, of her friends, of her her parents when they were young, so on and so forth. And it also has some quotes from her family's diaries and their words. And it just made me think of how, um, when we're writing a memoir It's written by us, but it's written by many people, because we are often written by many people, whether we like it or not. Um, The things that people do will always affect us and shape us in some way. And so it's so interesting that, that, you know, you're writing a memoir, but you're writing things when you were a kid. and, And those things, when you're a kid, you're not responsible for yourself. Most of the time, your parents are responsible for you, and therefore they are in turn kind of helping you write this this story in the beginning of the book she's talking about her ancestors and the way they traveled and everything and i'm just like it just made me think like all of these little things are just a collection and and it's used in this memoir and our stories are very much created by our ancestors as much as they are created by us and I find that such an interesting thing to think about. I I will say I don't like memoirs. I don't like nonfiction. We know this about me. It's just not, it's simply not my cup of tea. I usually can't get into it. This, I love it. I ate it up. Um, It's amazing the way she writes. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, when I was in high school, if you asked me what my favorite book was, I would have said To Kill a Mockingbird. And I think that there's something about heavy topics, heavy events seen through a child's eyes that I just love. And no, this whole book is not heavy, but there's, there is a lot of like heavier things in it, but it's light because she's experiencing it as a child. It's so interesting. Um, I highly suggest if you're a fan of her, if you were a fan of any of her books, I think you should pick this book up. I really honestly do. It is about, I think three, 344 pages long. And it was only $13. And it's, it's got, it's got a lot in it. And it's, it's beautiful. I, I, I just think everyone should pick it up. But I don't want to rate it on the rating scale in any other way except to say that. I'm also going to mention how, you know, she started off hating school. Um, she was a little bit behind because she got chicken pox. And then she was even more behind because she got smallpox. And so she was very poor at reading and writing for the most part and it's just beautiful to see how she grew to be the amazing author that we all know her to be and i think that that's something interesting to think about also if you love how like bratty and um, mischievous her characters are i know that we're going to learn about one of her characters uh, muggy maggie who is very mischievous and um muggy maggie is just doing a little bit of uh you know work for the girlies we could say and i guess that um if you love those kind of characters and if you love those aspects of her books um the very kind of like not bratty and not the the very like naughtiness of um some of these younger characters i really think that you would love reading about her she's not trying to be bad you know she's not a bad kid she just she's curious and and i think all kids have a little bit of that and i think reading this really helps you kind of appreciate that in kids and appreciate the wonder and the just the curiosity that they all have in them so if you enjoyed that from her characters i really think you'll enjoy this uh, i don't want to dwell on this book for very long because um although she's wonderful And we should celebrate her because I do believe that she was a great person. And if anyone knows otherwise, please don't tell me. I want to believe that she's amazing forever. But I'm just going to say this book was really great. Everyone should pick it up. And why don't we uh, skirt into uh, Sweet Zoe and Sweet Liza's books. And happy birthday to Miss Beverly. We love you, Bev. Why don't we tell everyone what books we've read? Yeah. Um, for me, I read A Girl from Yam Hill. If I say, if it's not like Yam Hill and it's like Yamil or something weird, it's <laughs> I'm Oregon. sorry. It's again. Um, but it's it's Beverly's um, memoir. So that's what I read. Hell yeah. I'm I sorry? read this um, and Ramona,
1: probably one of her more famous uh, Ramona books. It's not Ramona the Pest, but I remember a lot of her books very vividly in my mind. So forgive me if I get some details sort of like mixed up between the books, but I had a real pleasure. It was a real treat reading it again. And it's funny how much, you know, everything came back to me as I was reading. And I'm like, I remember this. I remember these connections.
0: Willa Jean and everything.
1: Oh, yeah. What a good name. What a good name.
0: I read Muggy Maggie, um, which I had never read before, but I loved it and I found it very relatable. Oh, my God. I'm so curious to hear about that. I've never heard of Muggy Maggie. I think it's one of her like less known ones. I like the dog on the cover. It reminds me a lot of my sister who's
1: named Maggie. Oh,
0: yeah. Look at it. That does look like your sister. Oh, my God. Stop. And your
1: dog. The crusty white one? Yeah. Emma.
0: Emma, this dog's name is Kisser. <laughs> so there you go. Just so everyone knows, I have an uncle who we refer
2: to as Uncle Kisser.
0: That sounds very Italian American. Gabagool. Gabagool. What in the what in the what in the what in the Jersey
1: tomato? Gabagool. Godfather is that? What? Period. Jersey <laughs> And she said what she said. No, no, Italian American culture. DJ Polly D, Pope of Spring Break.
2: DJ Polly D. Liza,
0: yeah, I'm just curious. What did you find most relatable about Muggy Maggie? Well, I will end up getting into it when I talk about it, but the tagline of Muggy Maggie is nobody's going to make Maggie learn cursive. so fucking true. So true. And I, you guys, I can't write cursive and I can't read cursive. And I definitely learned how to do both Mm -hmm. at one point, but I hated it. And so I didn't retain anything. And so I very much related to Maggie when she has no freaking clue what's going on when she's learning cursive. I think that's such a fucking good thing. Why is that such a relatable experience? Like throughout the ages,
1: of people being like, "fuck cursive, fuck cursive." There's like a. I personally theory- love cursive. <laughs> it was the one thing because my handwriting was always so messy in school, and so cursive was basically an excuse for me to be like, "this doesn't make sense, but it's not supposed to." I feel like cursive is a language for the like really bad ADHD girlies who can't like print their name right.
0: Maybe. <laughs> I I don't know. I also feel like it's kind of neurodivergent not to be able to read cursive. Maybe cursive is just like
1: neurodiverse.
0: No. On all sides. Uh, Personally, besties, I love cursive. Some people love cursive. It couldn't be me. I literally to this day cannot read cursive. I have to try really, really hard. So I'll get into that when I talk about the book. The thing. I really like about Beverly Cleary is that she does write these really like relatable characters like Ramona's kind of a little shit
1: no exactly but I like the fact that she is a little shit yeah. un- unapologetic about it and exactly. she's a little bit of a shit too but she you is. Know what? she's not apologizing for it they just yeah. gotta learn to live to like I don't know sort of love each other and despite all of these sort of challenges they might have within like their interpersonal relationships I like how they're pretty uncompromising and and even in their moments of like sort of personal growth and everything where like an example of this is Beezus in her art class being so free and painting Ralph well. she still like recognizes her strength and being sort of like responsible and like sort of able to have that restraint and I find that really really cool And while at the end of the book, they didn't really have super huge, like, character transformations in terms of their characterization, because, you know, these are, I don't know, you're supposed to sort of, I don't know, grasp the same characterization of them both throughout and keep it, like, sort of consistent. But at the end, like, the really only thing that changed is maybe Beezus got a little bit, like, looser Mm -hmm. and, you know, learned to, like, it's okay to not like your sister all the time, but she still managed to, you know, keep her sensible side and, you know, sort of didn't apologize for it. And she didn't make herself smaller. And Ramona certainly didn't make herself smaller, bigger, anything. And, you know, I think that was something really beautiful to see. It's rare that you find, you know, female protagonists that don't somehow change an aspect of themselves in order to appease, like, some narrative of the story, especially in sort of children's literature. So yeah, it was nice.
0: I was gonna say, keep, go. You should just go right ahead into your um, thing to talking about the book because, like, I want to know more. Well, first,
1: I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent because I feel like there are a couple things that I need to get off my chest before I dive into this because they've been on my mind since reading the book. So. In my initial read, a lot of my comments were sort of had to do with the words used in context of that time period um, that are now funny in our modern context. Number one, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on these because I I just think it's very, very great to look back at the words of yesteryear. Starting off with mouth organ, like, what what do you think... That. It's it's a harmonica, but when I hear the word mouth organ, I it feels very wrong coming out of my mouth.
2: Yeah. <laughs> my brain was thinking tongue, but a tongue's yeah, not an organ. Mouth it's just a organ, muscle. Is literally, it, is it an organ?
1: I mean, it must be. I feel like it, what it else would be. it be? A muscle? I yeah, I know. Right, it's, maybe it's a muscle, but a muscle is an organ, right? No. Um, <laughs> hey. Isn't Mussel an organ? Uh,
2: just... We're little liberal arts majors, okay? We don't, we don't need to
1: notice. But the thing the thing that was funny, like within the context, while Bezos was sewing, Ramona holding a mouth organ in her teeth was riding around the living room on her tricycle. Since she needed both hands to steal the tricycle, she could blow in and out on only one note. This made the harmonica. Sound as if it were groaning, oh dear, oh dear, over and over again. And if we read that back, the mouth organ, which is the harmonica, uh, was groaning, oh dear, oh dear. And that does not sound right in my little brain. Beverly, I love you, but this book is for children. Um, also, another word that was used in the context of the story was the fact that Aunt Beatrice, which is Beatrice's role model, Jesus' role model, was described as pretty young and gay, which was quite funny because Bezus was very, quite, um, very clearly infatuated with this lady. And it was very weird to see her calling her aunt gay. And I know we use that term, you know, in the words of yesteryear to me, Poppy. And this was many a discussion when I was reading these books for the first time back in elementary school, everybody being like, haha, gay. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny reading it now with my clear context. Um, crestfallen, I love that word. And then finally, this was right out of the mouth of Henry Huggins, who said, bingo Bumble by just many a times during Ramona's little party. And that had me laughing quite a bit. Some other notes that I wanted to point out in terms of context was the $2 library book that Ramona had destroyed and they paid two dollars for it and Venus being like what lot of things that could have bought many things yes not today bestie <laughs> not today bestie once again yeah Beverly, Clearly, Cle- Beverly Cleary was like let's talk about money let's talk about sister dynamics mm-hmm. let's talk about art mm-hmm. let's do that And she was just like got all these themes and themes and themes. And I remember in the later book, she talking about more serious subjects and them being treated very nicely and fairly and good. What do I talk about with this book? Where do I start? So essentially, if you don't know, Bezus and Ramona is the story about two sisters and their family, although the mother and father are. Super present in the books. I have a lot of things to say about their parenting style. But once again, time period and context. But Beezus is this nine-year-old girl who is a little bit of a square. She takes a lot of pride in being responsible, sensible, and all around, you know, just very neat, tidy, and quiet. She likes to embroider and do cross-stitching. Her favorite person in the world is Aunt Beatrice who is her namesake. And she hates her nickname, Beezus, which was given to her by her younger sister, Ramona Geraldine Quincy. Now, Ramona is a precocious young tot in this book. She is four, which I I didn't realize. I thought she was a little bit older in this book, which made Beatrice's, Beezus's critique of Ramona feel very scathing of the four-year-old sister. But, you know, sibling... Sibling dynamics, gotta love it. But Ramona is what Jesus would call exasperating—just plain exasperating—and she just gets very tired of her very quickly. And as somebody who has three siblings herself, I can relate to both of them because yeah, it's hard out here. So essentially, this book takes us through. I'm I'm not struggling with like how long. Like, what period of time this took place over? Because at the beginning, it seemed like they didn't, like, go to school at all. And then suddenly, they were talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, Columbus Day, which fucking rest in peace sucks. But I wasn't really sure about how long it took to, you know, fold over time. But anyways it talks about these two sisters over a period of time and they're learning how to get along with each other. But they're also talking about mainly it's Beezus complaining about her sister. And then at the end, reconciling at her birthday and being like, I love you. And it's a really sweet moment. You gotta love those Quimbley sisters. yeah. On the little sleep, much reading scale, I did a co- I <laughs> in terms of readability and interest, I put this at a solid eight because, you know, when I was reading it again, it automatically conjured up all these images of this Ramona Quimby cinematic universe, and I remembered a lot of the bits of the book that I had forgot even while reading it when Ramona's in the basement and eats a bite out of every apple or even the party that she threw and not just in pieces in Ramona, but other books when she did, she pulled Susan's curls at one point, her dad got laid off and they went to the, the burger place and they sat in a cozy booth. And I remember Ramona's galoshes. I remember her going to school I remember her. So in this time period, nobody really saw children as people. Yeah. And I feel like these books and sort of Bev Cleary's whole thing was sort of humanizing these, like, children that nobody really had a thought about. And yeah. I've been, like, thinking a lot about Scientology lately. Um, <laughs> and their whole their whole little cult thing just doesn't... I don't know if you knew this, but they sort of just leave their kids to like do whatever because they see children as not children but souls and so they basically abandon their children and just let them you know sort of fend for themselves which is a really weird thing but in the context of that I don't know why I got on Scientology but I think after hearing about how much they sort of Devalued children into like just souls and just like everybody else. It's like way too far down the line. And then the sort of 1950s parenting style of like children are seen in that herd and they're like extensions of, you know, you and they don't really have a lot of personality traits. And if they do have personality traits or are a pest, they're like ignored, which you see a lot in this book, the mom often leaves Bezos in charge of Ramona because there's just she's just too much to deal with Mm -hmm. and so Bezos is left to sort of parent this really difficult and honestly probably just like neurodiverse or um you know generally just a kid and you know living her life to the way that she wants to and so it was a little sad to see like sort of the mom sort of parentifying thesis but maybe that is also a factor of the time but yeah um, within Beverly Clary's writing I think she did an awesome job of you know really humanizing these people that I don't think a lot of people thought of and it made a lot of children probably feel very seen right when they read it for the first time I know I did because as a child I honestly really wanted to be like thesis I feel like in my household that was the thing that was to be strived for. I wanted to be quiet. I wanted to be sensible. I wanted to be the one that, you know, sort of played by the rules and everything. And I think reading it back, it is so clear that I was just a Ramona who was trying to be Beezus so bad. And it's honestly kind of sad to look back and, you know, read it with the perspective of who who I am now being just very Ramona pilled. Um, and thinking about how different my life sort of, I don't know. And I don't think it was a bad thing to take like cues from Ramona, but, or from thesis, but I wish a part of me had tapped into my Ramona side a little bit earlier, because that would have given me sort of the confidence that I needed to go on into, you know, better, better work in this world as a young man. I feel like there's a lot of It's sort of sad because I do remember like in third grade, we had to pick a word to describe ourselves. And I like so badly wanted to be sensible. So I wrote sensible because I had read it in a Bev Cleary book. This Mm -hmm. isn't like giving a bad flack to Bev at all. It's just um, it's just an interesting connection that I'd remembered when picking this up and feeling so empowered. Like now as an older person reading again and being like, you know what? I am finally accepted the fact that you know I don't have to be as sensible I don't have to be as you know precise I can learn to love being unapologetically myself and I thought that was a really beautiful sort of message and I don't know in reading it back to you see moments where Bezos isn't so sensible and Bezos does like tap into her more imaginative and creative side. And I think it's really powerful when Bezos has this moment of sort of this pure imagination that she had in that art class where she broke down in the moment of, in a in moment of insecurity saying, um, you know, I have no imagination. Why can not I be more like Ramona? And uh, reading that back now, it sounds almost exactly like, I don't know, me and my own sister's relationship where growing up, like where I'd wanted to be more like Jesus, and that's exactly what my sister was. And I don't know if I had said this, but I'm a triplet and my sister and I are, in a lot of ways, sort of parallel to sort of the quirks within the Crimpley sisters. My sister has a lot of anxiety and um, a lot of, pressure she puts on herself to be perfect and sensible in every way and I'm really rough around the edges I'm one of those people that likes to go 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 and is sort of uncompromising in that and it was really really quite powerful and sad for me to read the thesis and art class section back because it felt a lot like what my sister and I used to do like in our art classes where my sister would break down and cry she wasn't that creative and I'd be admonished for like going off the rails Mm. and it's funny to read that back thinking that I had so much ties to that one character when it was so clear that I didn't and how that stemmed from I guess sibling relationships and you know wanting to mirror what you see and what's like socially accepted in the household but you know that's a that's a big that's a big tangent for therapy next week, I think. <laughs> but it it is so true how sibling and sister relationships um, play
0: themselves out. You know throughout the book. Oh dear. Totally. Yeah. I was thinking too, like th- what you were saying about like how many kids could see themselves in Beverly Cleary books, and more specifically how many little girls could see themselves in Beverly Cleary books and mm-hmm. like I think that's really important too because I took a, a both a YA class and a children's lit class in mm-hmm. college and 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 for a really long time there was really no such thing as children's stories right like, yeah exactly it they didn't, they didn't explain- become a thing until like so late in the game right and I feel like even more so there wasn't stories about girl or quote unquote Mm -hmm. girl problems or however you want to refer to it until much later too and so like Pippi Longstocking or like Jane Eyre even like you know right and it would just be you know boys or or adults or like so I don't know it's very cool that she was showing these imperfect people that kids could see themselves or even the world around them into. Like mm-hmm. it struck me too, when you were like, said like, you remembered like when her dad got like laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that must've been, or still is so important for some kids to read. Cause that's mm-hmm. a thing that like, It happens and it's not going to be in a lot of books, but once you read that, whether it's yourself experiencing it or like maybe your best friend that happened to, and imagine being an eight-year-old and like, you're trying to wrap your head around that. And then you get to see it in a book. Like, it's very cool. And it's not codified in the way that I think a lot of children's literature often does when they're
1: like presenting one of these hard topics, like, oh, your father got laid off. Here's a story about a penguin losing his favorite rock or something. And they try to like simplify it to the fact where, you know, we forget that these children are people and they understand. And I think children are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And I really appreciate Beverly's like dedication to being like, Hey, you know, you may be like young and whatever, but I'm going to give you like fucking credit because you know what you're Everybody as smart as I am, you are clever, you're precocious, you see the world in such a bright light. And I think that's so fucking badass of her. And I'm sorry for cursing. But um I really appreciate that when I see that in the world, just anybody's dedication to, you know, treating people as equal as possible and not dumbing things down. Um, just because it's a younger audience and having not being afraid to like broach these topics I think she also mentioned divorce she talks a lot about like sibling relationships and um, the emotionality in which she gives like they're not simple emotions that she's writing about they're very they're very complex in terms of Sometimes you don't love your sister and Beatrice Beezus is struggling with that as well as identity and being named Beezus and having that name be tied to Ramona and a lot of her life being sort of shown in the context of this sister that she often fights with and often finds problems with she talks a lot about being insecure about little things even like her eyes and how people sort of always compliment Ramona on her imagination and eyes and being insecure about having blue eyes and a lot of her personality and characterization is on what she's not and I think the strongest moments for Beezus is when she taps into you know really what she is which I think is any you know bit of characterization but it was a really telling moment when In the end, she sort of like characterized herself as, you know, herself outside of the context of Ramona's influence. And finally got her, her cake and had her dress. And it wasn't, you know, all about Ramona. She spends a lot of the novel like sort of talking about.
2: I think it's also something to say that like when I was a kid, I felt like I had a very dysfunctional family. I had... I went to a Catholic school and I had young parents who weren't married um, but were still together mm-hmm. and they would argue and we didn't live in like a great neighborhood. And I think that it's important for most families, I would say, are like quote, dysfunctional.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Normal. And I don't know, it, it's also important sometimes. We talked about this in the Goosebumps episode. How like just because it's scary or frightening or whatever doesn't mean that a kid shouldn't experience that. Like, mm-hmm. right? In a book like Ramona and Beesus and the um, books that have came after that, it's like these kids are going to experience things that happen in this book or something to that effect, mm-hmm. effect at some point. And mm-hmm. so maybe if you can give them a way to um, experience it in a book in a controlled environment. Then like they're gonna be better equipped when it comes when these things happen. They're gonna be like, oh, well, it's not just I'm not the only person dealing with this, like Mm -hmm. Ramona Bezos. It's Um, the same thing with Judy Bloom, like older children. Like I like,
1: even as much as Beverly Cleary, I feel like Beverly Cleary was a little bit like younger for me and I grew up with that, but also Judy Bloom when I was a little bit older or even younger, like she was another great example of this where she, I think she, like, even though they were probably in their thirties while writing this, they truly understood the grasp of what it means to grow up. And it's such an interesting thing to read now, even as like a modern person, like, or like in my Gen Z millennial cusp, being like, damn, like they they really got it on the money. And I don't think I've seen something like this um, spoken about or written about in such like amazing detail since, I don't know, Lady Bird, but Lady Bird was much, much older. But yeah. even now it's funny how far away from these concepts we sort of strayed, at least in some literature that I've read like for children recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like, not to say like oh we gotta go back to the old times or whatever but I feel like they really did get it right and it does make me happy when people are still like checking out the book from your your mom's library Liza like that's such a great thing to see people still resonating um because really these are timeless um in messaging theme and you know foundational and yeah you keep these memories with you forever and
0: I think it speaks volumes that you remember so much about. You only reread this one book, but I think it speaks volumes that you remember so much about the contents of the other book, but also how the other books like made you feel.
1: Yeah, I these were the ones like this, Junie B. Jones, Judy Blume, you Warrior Cats, yeah. various other horse books. But I think really what I remember most is sort of the world building that, she was able to do, like the Ramona, Quimby, Henry, you know, Ribsy, all of this cinematic universe. And it sort of makes me want to cry just, you know, thinking about all the memories that I don't have of, like, my childhood and how this is somehow transcendent of all of that. It's really cool to see.
0: It is. It is. it's cool when one singular thing is a part of your childhood and also like so many other people's like like you like Ramona I mean I don't know about like your mom specifically but just like as like an example like you Ramona and Beast is such a big part of your childhood memory and it's also Mm -hmm. a big part of like your mother's childhood memory even if it's Mm -hmm. not, not specifically but like it, and your peers too.
1: Like you can't, yeah. you can't swing a dead cat without talking about Ramona and Beesus. Right. It's like it's a core, it's a core memory, which is just. We just, should start a like yeah. little
0: little support group for the Bees and Ramona kids. Totally. Yeah, I, I like that. That's the impact children's literature has too. Because like I don't mm-hmm. know you guys, but my family still uses terms that like Junie B. Jones. Oh my um, god. Used because I was a Junie B B. Jones was my favorite Barbara oh yeah yeah absolutely she's another one of those great like imperfectly
1: amazing representations of childhood like I could go on and on
0: yeah she was such a little shit in the best way um but yeah like it's just like it's cool how much of an impact children's literature has on your core memory and low-key your personality yes
1: yeah, I gave this for language and style five. It was pretty good. worthy. Uh, read again. Yes, a million times over. I want to read everything in the Ramona Quimby Cinematic Universe um, plot. It's great. I gave it a six. It was a little predictable because, you know, it's got to be to like follow along when you're second grade you know comprehension skills gotta gotta get them up it was good characterization I gave it an eight because I just love these characters so much and so formative you know to me and our memories but I'm curious like what do you guys remember about like the Ramona Quimby Cinematic Universe RQCU? and how has it like affected y'all this is very fun things
0: um I actually, so I, the reason I find it so cool <laughs> to be hearing about Ramona and Beezus from you is I wasn't a huge Ramona and Beezus kid. Really? Yes. Because you were was, Junie B. I was very much Junie B. And the Beverly Cleary that I read was Ralph S. Mouse. But that's, yeah. that's why I thought it was so fun to hear about you talk about it. Because like... I know so many other people feel exactly the same way you do, but Mm -hmm. I myself don't have the same experiences with Ramona and Beezus. So like, that's why it was so interesting for me to hear about it. Marissa, were you a Ramona and Beezus girl? No,
2: I was, um, I was Junie B. Jones. Oh my God, Junie. The way we were all with Junie. And I'm also like, okay, so like what age would you consider Ramona and Beezus to be? what a well, tr- canonically like to yeah. read them or yeah I feel like first second grade because I feel like without, no doubt my school like okay when we got into second grade that's when we started to have um like specific classroom books mm-hmm. that were like longer books um, and which were Henry and Mudge, if anyone remembers. Yes, Mudge. with the with the fucking mastiff. Right. Thought about that. Um, and oh also God, the oh Magic Tree House
0: books. Yes.
2: Yes. And so I feel like, yes, I was definitely a Junie B. Jones girl, but not because specifically because my sister would read them and so I had the books but if I had to like pick something that I felt like was mine it would be like the Magic Treehouse books and the Henry and Mudge books mm-hmm. um Henry and then Mudge. when I got in third grade I started to read like crazy long books like Christmas third grade was when I got Inkheart mm-hmm. oh my god that's awesome I didn't, yeah I feel like I didn't have like
0: a real children's literature phase and that makes me sad oh, look at you. um zoe do you have any other thoughts on ramona and visas not really but i feel like i want to hear more about um little miss maggie little miss muggy maggie um, maggie we love her but i'm sure i'll tangent it off maggie's a saint maggie is a saint i loved this book i thought it was so fun um mm-hmm and this book it it was written in 1990 so I didn't know that I thought it was older but I was reading it and then she mentions that she she doesn't she so you guys know by what I said earlier that she doesn't like she doesn't want to write cursive but um she like likes to type on her dad's computer and so that's when I was like when the frick was this written so I looked it up and it was actually 1990 so this That just shows like how long this woman was publishing books for. And I think she was still writing even into the 2000s. Like she did not quit. So yes, that is when this book was written. Um, It is a standalone book. uh, So it's not part of a series. And it is very much one of those books that like... (laughs) has those w- cute weird little life lessons like you know like I think mean, like we were talking about this with Ramona and Bees too but like you know like each episode of boy meets world or whatever it would have like a life lesson and I feel like this is kind of like that in a book, even Goosebumps too. Marissa, we talked about this in our Goosebumps episode that they would like teach you a little lesson. And we know from studying it that that's kind of a lot of the point of children's literature a lot of the time. But the cool thing about this one is that it's not like if you're bad, you're gonna get murdered. It's like, it's more like, hey, there's gonna be some stuff that you don't wanna do and that you're not very good at, but that's okay. And you'll figure it out and everything's gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. I like that. How she wasn't afraid to like, she wasn't afraid of failure. And
1: she was like, it's okay to like, you know, be a little shit. And it's gonna work out because you know it it has to. He has to. Has to because what else? You know, and that was really empowering for you know me to read even now, like, you know. Right. It like yeah. makes you feel good Go about yourself. Families. It yeah. does. It's empowering. Go Bev. Go Bev. She's a champion for the kids, honestly. It really is. Like Yeah, she went up to bat for these parentified children.
0: She did the parentified child. Oh my god. Yeah. Um so- that's the other thing too. Like I'll get into this when I talk about characterization, but the adults in this book were kind of mean, and I was like, I like that she showed that too because I feel like so often, like you're told to like respect your elders, but literally Maggie multiple times in the book is like, "Fuck these bitches for being mean to me!" Like she's like, "This adult is being mean. That's so weird," and I'm like, "Yeah, queen." Like, that's yeah, sometimes true. adults don't make sense. Right? Is so, yes. Straight. Um, right, and so, so that's that. Uh, that's what I really liked about this book, and I think, it, like I said, I think it is for third graders because Maggie is in third grade. So I think it's supposed to be um, like you read this while you're learning cursive. But yeah, basically, she's this little girl. She likes to type on the computer. She likes to print, but she has to learn cursive, and she really doesn't want to. And it's partly because. She thinks it's kind of dumb, but also because she's not very good at it. And we all know that you don't ever like I hate math, but it's because I'm not good at it. It's not because I like care. But yeah, basically, she doesn't want to do cursive. She's like acting out like she won't write cursive. Like she's getting like written up for not wanting to write cursive, uh, this, that and the other. And then she gets picked to be the class messenger. So she has to. um bring the letters between the different teachers and she's nosy like me as well. Queen is probably a Gemini. And she, while she, when she's walking in the hallways, she opens the letters. Cause she's like, I want to know what the teachers are talking about and she can't read them because they're in cursive. And she's like, I have to know what these letters say. And so by bringing the letters back and forth to the different teachers, she starts learning how to read and write cursive. Oh my god, I love this. Right? Literally, just because the she way wants she to is, know the tea. She is such a queen. She she's, <laughs> she literally is. Like, like, Muggy Maggie is a oh bitch, and I love it. That's almost like having
1: to learn a different language, just so you can know, like, Who's shit talking to you?
0: Exactly. And I relate I love to that, that so much. Like yeah. you know, that is my personality. Um, oh, and by the way, they call her Muggy Maggie. She gets like bullied at one point because mm-hmm. she is right cursive and she it looks like she wrote her name as muggy instead of Maggie. And so this asshole kid named Kirby calls her Muggy Maggie. And Kirby. Her, like, Kirby. But like people are being mean to her throughout this entire book, and she's calling out the kids and the adults for being mean, which I think is really important. And love the other. That the other thing that like, I was like, I love that is by the time she finally learns how to read and write cursive, she's noticing that adult cursive is actually really bad. Um, and so she's like, dad, you're cursive. She's like correcting her dad's cursive. She's correcting her mom's cursive. She's correcting Oh my God. The I remember this cursive. book. And so it's like, you have a kid who, Learns how to do something she didn't want to do simply out of spite and out of out thirst for tea. And then when she learns how to do it, she's like, well, you guys are doing stuff wrong. And then at one point she's like, I can't wait to be an adult so that I can do my cursive wrong like (sighs) and you can do your cursive however you want once you're not in school which is also like a little reclamation of power she Mm -hmm. and then she's like I could print if for the rest of my life if I want to too like I don't have to write cursive when I grow up but now I know how to do it and I know how to read it and that's what's important
1: and Uh, she does that in like a defiant manner and I like how she's like come to terms with like Fuck the school system. Fuck the institution. Exactly
2: what
0: I want. Literally did. I'll play by your rules, but never again. Never again. So I love that about Muggy Maggie. Wait, what did the teachers end up saying? Were they like little bitches?
1: They were talking mad shit wait stop can you read one of the messages out loud (laughs)
2: yeah Um, share it
1: with a class if you ain't got nothing if you have nothing nice to say don't fucking say it you have anything you want to share with the class teacher imagine dropping that note in your classroom and some kid is like you're fucking bullying me
0: so literally okay so the teacher sends a note to the principal in cursive that says when is this girl ever going to decide to write cursive huh And the principal writes back, Maggie will decide to read and write cursive sooner or later. It looks like later. That's rude. And then the sixth grade teacher writes back and says, keep it up. You will wear this kid down yet. (laughs) What a toxic message. They're like, I don't subscribe to big cursive. Like, what the hell? And then the other teacher goes, I once had a bright kid like Maggie who thought she couldn't read cursive. She really could when she tried, but she wouldn't. Sounds like Maggie. And that was like a, little, a little nicer. Mm-hmm. But it's not that deep. Why are they all concerned about
1: fucking cursive? Don't they like don't you have anything other to teach? Right. Like, so is it just cursive? Is this like a week-long thing, a
0: month-long thing, a year-long thing? Like right. So language acquisitions weird. But yes, yeah, yeah. so being super bitchy, the teachers. Um I'll just jump right into my rating scale because I actually mm-hmm. feel like I rated this book kind of high. But right. it's because I genuinely thought it was really good. And I yeah. have my reasons. Absolutely. So for readability that clearly sucks. I also feel like I kind of rated this with an adult mind, but also with a child's mind. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about like how much I would have liked this probably if I read it as a kid, but also like as a freaking person who analyzes literature for a fucking degree. Like I actually thought this was like a good book too. Mm-hmm. Um so shout out to children's book authors because they be coming through. No, literally,
1: and when they're good, they're fucking good. And when they're bad, it's so apparent, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: but Beverly Cleary is good. Um, we love this queen, but yeah, this book was like it was very readable. like you really wanted to know what was gonna happen next, and you were kind of getting riled up with Maggie. Like wanting to know the tea, but also being like, mm-hmm. "These people need to stop being freaking rude to me." But you really, she like, I think that's so funny too that she built suspense in such a like with such a like quote unquote mundane topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, true. Like that's something too. Like a, a, I know a lot of children's books these days are fantasy, and and so I I think that's a newer thing. Um, I think like Judy Bloom and Beverly Cleary were more into the like realism type Mm -hmm. beat, but that didn't mean there couldn't be suspense. Like suspense and like real, like you could feel the conflict. You could
1: feel the tension in a way that, you know, it felt anxious when Ramona had her party. I was like, on the edge of my seat. Right. Exactly. When her parents had to scramble to like make refreshments. And it was crazy how much anxiety that produced in me. Exactly. It's such, you a challenge. Um, and like with the teacher's messages, I'm sure the frustrated, the frustration too, that you could yes. feel when you like, don't know how to do something and you are like struggling and you know, it's hard to be a kid
0: it is and I think it's really cool that they show you that you can feel these emotions through books um
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think it's really cool like it teaches empathy um, yeah. in a really wonderful way but yeah so I was like i I thought this was very readable um mm-hmm. for language and style I also gave this book a seven I was so pleasantly surprised. I knew Beverly Cleary was a great writer, but of course Mm -hmm. I was thinking about her as a children's writer. And I remember when we read, when we reread Goosebumps, it was still so much fun to read, but we were like, Mm -hmm. he's literally just like, it's very much for kids. He would describe things and they'd be scary, but the way he was describing it would be very, you know, regular, straightforward. But I thought Beverly Cleary's writing style was actually very cool. And, you know, we've been talking so much about Junie B. Jones and maybe we should have a Junie B. Jones episode at some point too, but... Oh, yeah. Do it. Like I would love to listen to it. Junie B.'s style is just so freaking it's insane. beyond it's beyond so good I, 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 I like want a full box set yeah, to be honest. exactly and I, I I I didn't feel the same way like I didn't think Maggie Schultz was as distinct as Junie B but I thought that Beverly Cleary was just as if not more distinct than Barbara Clark in her narration because even like like the writing style was just so. Let me see. Um,. Her dog Kisser was waiting for her. When Maggie knelt to hug him, Kisser licked her face. He was a young, eager dog the Schultz had chosen from the SPCA Pick a Pet page in the newspaper. A friendly cockapoo looking for a child to love was the description under his picture, a description that proved to be right. "Come on Kisser," Maggie ran home with her hair fl- with her hair flying and her dog springing along beside her. When Maggie and Kisser burst through the kitchen door, her mother said, "Hi there, angel face. How did things go?" She held kisser away from the refrigerator with her foot while she put away milk cartons and vegetables. Miss Schultz was good at standing on one foot because five mornings a week, she taught exercise classes to overweight women, um, which, you know, that's very telling of like the times that specific, but I thought looking at this style, Yo, this is exactly what they tell you to do in um, creative writing school. They tell- feel so good on the mouth too. It, it it does
1: feels like butter. The words you choose is like pickapet.com, click it at
0: street, and kiss her even. The words just sound good. They do. They feel good. And like simply giving like the extra detail about the dog, Maggie, the way her hair is flying in the wind, The I thought the detail about the mom holding, using her foot to hold the refrigerator open, mm-hmm. uh, no, holding kiss her away with her foot and that detail about her job, like that. what a perfect way to release characterization and information and also paint a picture like this is a perfect honestly perfect example of quality writing um and like you said like it feels good like the words are feel good to say out loud it makes for a really pleasant read aloud book I'm sure too and the other thing was that I remember that I wanted to say um I think that Beverly Cleary I don't know, I would have to check on this, but I think that Beverly Cleary would try to sneak in vocab words into her books because she used the word indignant at least five times. Yeah, in she wrote it ex- exasperated like so many times. And so I think she would like, I I I wonder if she knew what words. I mean, obviously she knew because she was basically a teacher, even though she was a writer. Um, she mm-hmm. was an expert on children. If she knew what words children should be learning mm-hmm. at, by that point, and she wanted to use those words in the book multiple times to get it into your head, and so it's like if you're reading Maggie Maggie, the first time you read Indignant the word indignant you might have to ask an adult what does that mean but then she uses it two three four more times in the book you start to understand what it means same with like you said in Ramona and Beezus exasperated yeah you have to ask an adult what does that mean and then they describe it to you and then you can feel when Ramona or Beezus is exasperated because, mm-hmm. and you learned a new word because of Bev's amazing rating. And I think that's so cool, too, especially like I'm sure Marissa will talk about this, but she struggled with reading and writing. um, Miss Bev? Very young, Miss Bev. And when she was a little bit older, but in third grade, she would go to the library in Portland and then she would just read all the time. And then she made herself better at reading and writing, kind of just like Maggie makes herself better at cursive. But I relate big time to that too but it shows t- t- because like I w- I was always better at reading than I was at math but I wasn't really good at reading until I was a little older mm-hmm. and I think that's like you were saying too like Maggie the character was like fuck the school system but well, right. Beverly Cleary was too she was like yeah, literally she, she, was was that bitch. Bitch. she was that bitch she was like you're not gonna always be able to learn vocab words the way they teach them to you in school so I'm gonna do it this way, my way, yeah. And then kids will actually learn. She's so smart. Oh my god! But yeah, such a cool lady. And 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 that's what how I felt about the form. To I kept form in because um, I thought it was interesting. And and this was more so visual form than um, stylistic. So I'm not sure how much of this was Beverly's choice, but I'm guessing a lot of it was. Like for example, like I don't know who did her illustrations or if she did the illustrations um but i loved the illustrations in these books and the other cool thing about this book in particular that i think goes along with um form is she shows the cursive Mm. and so it forces the kid reading this book Oh my God. So it was a little hard for me. (laughs) But I. Oh my God. I I mean, y'all, like, I can technically read cursive, but like, see, it's in cursive. That is so crazy. Oh my God,
1: talk about dissemination of knowledge. And, what the fuck, she's so smart.
0: Exactly, and she shows different people's cursive style too. Oh my God. What the mom's cursive is like, you see what the dad's cursive is like, you see what the different teacher's cursive is like, you mm-hmm. see when Maggie is struggling with cursive, what her cursive looks like, like this is when you can see that she like um, accidentally writes something that looks like muggy instead of Maggie. Brilliant. Um, But I I know, I thought that was freaking fantastic. Very, 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 very cool. So that was why I gave it like a 5.5 for form. um, Awesome. Which sometimes we read adult books that we give way lower than that, or we have to admit (laughs) it, omit it altogether because they weren't doing anything. Um, So shout out to Bev. Um, Thank you for doing such a deep read of that.
1: I don't think I rated that that highly because a little
0: not a writer brain
1: but but it's like really appreciate that close reading of it I think that's amazing
0: and you too because you're a graphic designer like in and you're you make books like a book you're a bookmaker like inserting different kinds of text into Mm -hmm. one space is very text and image yeah like
1: relationship and I feel like that was so so great she really just picked like the best moments in
0: which to eschew some sort of visual narrative. Yeah. Um I always have when books do that. Me too. Me too. But yeah. And so for shelfworthiness, I gave this book a six point five. I had never heard of this book before I read it. Um, but I related to it big time. So I think if you have a kid who's in elementary school, this is definitely a book you want to buy. If you're a teacher, this is definitely a book you're going to want to have in the classroom. And if you're a a librarian, you're going to want to have it too. Like if my mom doesn't have this one in her library, I'm going to give this one to the library because Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of kids would actually relate to it. But also this book is shelf worthy even if you're just an adult connoisseur of cool children's books. Like what a lovely thing. I hope all public libraries have it. Um, But like I said, yeah, I'm definitely going to give it to my mom's library. For the plot, I gave this book a seven. Um, I thought it was a super fresh plot. I have never seen another children's book that talks about um, disdain for cursive or struggling with cursive or even that many children's books that talk about struggling in with specific subjects in school. And yeah, I thought it was not even totally predictable. Like, like I said at the beginning, like I wanted to keep reading because I was like, what's, something's going on, like what's going right. on? And that has like, it has all the hallmarks of like a quality, a well-crafted plot. And the other thing that's she like, I remember Ramona and Bees's books being like a little bit longer than this. This mm-hmm. book is only 60 pages.
1: Yeah, I think so Jesus short. was 200 but
0: right. it's so I could short. be wrong, which is like but that's amazing. It's a good it's a nice good length for a plot. Not much going on but so much going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, And then last but not least, for characterization, I gave this book an eight. Go Maggie. I love her. Like, I thought the characters in this book were better crafted than in a lot of adult books. Um, I thought Maggie was endlessly relatable. I didn't find any of the adults relatable. Like, I didn't relate to them, but I could picture adults that I knew growing up, like teachers I had. And I also love that she kind of, like, made all the adults like kind of sheisty like yeah even the parents and I was like bitches that is how the world works like Marissa and I always stress this like I want to see I don't have to like the characters to give the characterization a high score I have, have to seem real and all these shiesty adults <laughs> and fe- shiesty feist- kids too because uh, the other funny thing is she refers to there all the kids in her class are really freaking annoying and she says that and Good. Then she says um, uh, Maggie jumped off the school bus when it stopped at her corner. Bye, Joanne. She called to the girl who was her best friend. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, love it, which is just so real when you're in elementary school. And also, like Joanne was a bitch. Like she was kind of rude to M- Maggie. And I'm like, that's so real. Like kids you know are- who would never do that. Lady Gaga's Joanne. Joanne. Lady Gaga's Joanne would never do that. Um, oh. No. But yeah, so like the characters were really freaking good. And like, even the dog was like characterized, like Beverly put her. her whole pussy into this book. Um, oh, no, it's true. And she did that so consistently with everything,
1: like in the world building of it all. I have so much to say about just how consistent she was with making these characters so full and so memorable, and so vivid, that even the smallest ones, like Ribsy, like Kisser, like Willa
0: Jean, like, I don't know, fucking amazing. So good, so good. Um, So yeah, what a pleasure it was to celebrate her birthday by reading this book. I really had a truly wonderful time. Yeah, I want to revisit, like, everything now, and I feel like I'm just doing a little perusing of
1: like the Amazon reviews, which don't tell you anything, but they all are like consistently fives. And I'm like, "How fucking. Yeah. So good. This was so much fun. I, I can't believe how like compelling and interesting and amazing. it is as I sit down with two of my besties and talk about media and all the lovely things that books can, you know, do and hold and Everything and like my background is very much not like literature and writing, but um, there's so much to say about you know books, and I don't know, I feel like they love uh, the love I have of them as art form, as writing, as books are magic, books are magic, and this like experience has really helped me sort of ground myself back within that, yeah. um,
0: Good. That's what we, want to do. we love that, that. We, we love books and we love Zoe and we love Beverly Cleary I love my little Marissa and my little Eliza
1: squad you ever have the pleasure of meeting them do it and hug them and give them a swoosh
2: hey, Zoe thank you for being on this episode with yeah. us oh my god of course this was do the you, best
1: do you have anything you want to plug um my insta is at nervous rack like nervous as in the feeling and then rack is in tits <laughs> and my website is zwoman.cargo.site if you want to see some fun little things that I did with my time
0: Zoe's so yeah. art is sick Like her art is like nothing I've ever seen before. Thank you. So cool. Her descriptions of her art are also very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love love sort of
1: speculative fiction. I like things that are tied in research. Um, I love videos. I love making videos. Um, Yeah, there's just some, some cool little things. And I have a lot to say.
0: All so the time. She's the, coolest, she's the coolest baby. You're the coolest. Marissa, should we share what we're reading next week? Yeah, I just gotta remember what next week is. It's, it's Earth,
2: Day. Earth Day. Earth Day! Oh
1: Greta! Okay.
2: Yes, Greta so the okay. Lisbon. Or um as I lovely love lovely as I lovingly referred to it as in my phone notes um it's earth day guys we're celebrating earth day but it's not your mama's earth day what do you mean (laughs) or is that a surprise Uh, so of course me and liza always like to um interpret things in our own ways and the norm for me i when i heard you know, that we were going to be doing Earth Day in a different way. My thoughts either went to, um, like, environmental apocalypse-type things and also maybe very sci-fi, different world. Um, And, guys, you won't believe how many amazing books are out there that I had to pick from. Yeah, Um, But I went with... A very popular book. I guess some would consider it a classic that I've never read before. Um, so I'm gonna read uh, *The Road* by Cormac McCarthy. Oh my god! In the way Zoe,
0: oh so god! Zoe prophesized that at the beginning of epi- the episode by referencing *The Road*. Yes, um, it's so good. Um, I'm excited. I heard it's one of the most Sad. Disturbing- like sad books people ever read so yeah it's it's it sticks with you it's definitely it's definitely in there don't watch the movie because the movie is i don't like it that's fair it's the book is the best um i'm reading also a um different kind of apocalypse um i'm reading a, a new book brand new about a climate apocalypse called here lies um, and it takes place in the not so distant um future um, and um it's by olivia claire friedman um and i am very excited to read this book the cover is i mean viewers can't listeners can't see the cover but the cover is freaking sick wow. Yeah. Um and let's just say it has to do with one of my favorite topics ever and that being um disposal of um the dead. I, I could talk mm-hmm. about how we dispose of our dead for hours and I Ooh. the way that this woman is imagining how that would m- go in a climate post climate apocalypse world is very cool.
1: Oh my god! You guys need to send me all of these recommendations. This is something that I think about so much.
0: We love Planet it. Pop- Climate apocalypse. apocalypse. I mean, it's gonna happen. So, might as yeah, well literally, talk about it. the
1: IPCC report today was like, "It's urgent!" Exclamation point. We need to reduce fossil fuels, and everybody's like, mm-hmm. "Maybe we won't, bestie." You know, I, I'm hearing you, but like, let uh, it's, it's a, let's put it in the back burner. We're all gonna I, die. I, I just know you guys are gonna read it for filth. You guys are gonna say it's gonna be great.
0: Excited? Yes. So we you, love it. Thank you so much for coming on this week's mm. podcast. No, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so
1: fun. Happy birthday, Beverly! Happy birthday, Beverly! We love you so much. Mm-hmm. Mwah.
0: story to tell.